Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry. Welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, since the COVID lockdown, have you been one of the many, many people who've taken up bread making and are spending far more time in the kitchen? Well, as you know, healthy cooking and healthy eating are key mantra of mine here on Real Health. And for this week's show, because you're in the kitchen more and more, why not find out how to do some healthy cooking that doesn't have to take too much time or be boring. Nicola Halloran runs a hugely popular food blog, The Wonky Spatula, and she's now an author as well. She's a fabulous new book that's come out. I've been having a flick through it before the interview, and it's really, really, really impressive. Nicola, welcome to Real Health. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. So The Wonky Spatula, I'm going to start there. That's the obvious place to start with the interview here. Where and how did you come up with the name? This is an absolute tale. Um, so originally when I started off the blog, it was really kind of a private place where I just had a list of things I was eating and things I was trying out. Nobody knew about it. Um, and I decided that I would give it a go and I'd buy a domain name. And the, the name I had for the blog at the time wasn't available. So I had to come up with something new. And I wanted it to be a bit punchy and a bit different because food blogs weren't really a thing in Ireland at the time. So it was like, okay, this is my moment. Um, and I sat down with my brother and kind of bashed out a couple of different names, but nothing really stuck. And after about, I'd say an hour, an hour and a half, he was getting completely fed up. And he just said, oh, just call it something silly, like the wonky spatula. And that's it, it was born. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just something that came out of a, a brainstorm really. and. Uh, one of his most favorite moments is every time I get asked this question, I have to give him credit. <laughs> he likes to get name checked, which is good, which is fair <laughs> exactly. enough. Exactly. And I suppose as a blog, as a niche, you know, your big thing is the fact that food doesn't have to take a really long time to cook, right? So I'm really guilty of that. I look at a cookbook and I think I just haven't got an hour or an hour and a half and life is just too short. Very much with the book and with your recipes, they're quick and they're tasty and they're simple. But, you know, the speed thing is really, really important. People have to realize it doesn't take long to cook healthy flavors and meals. Exactly. And I suppose it came from a place for me feeling the exact same. I wanted to make cool new foods and new recipes. But when I went online, I looked at things, you'd see, you know, upwards of 10 to 15 steps and massive lists of ingredients, many of which you wouldn't kind of have on hand. So it's really off put by like kind of approaching new and different things. So I just started experimenting myself in order to create something that people like me who, you know, they're busy nine to fivers. And the last thing they want to be doing is you know spending hours in the kitchen at the end of a busy day and you work full-time as well so you haven't like most people you're juggling work and cooking at the same time as opposed to just being you know pure blogging and cooking you're working it at the same time as well Exactly. And I think that's one of the big things with sort of, you know, foodie Instagram accounts that sometimes you see them and you're like, okay, yeah, but you spent all day putting that photo together. And yeah, that's, that's true. You know, the photography side of things and the Instagram side of things does take time, but the actual creation of the meal from start to finish doesn't take too long. And as you said, yeah, I know exactly how people feel. I have nights where I'm like, oh, I couldn't be bothered cooking. And um, I'll just, you know, have something really plain, simple. And, and not really bother but then I suppose the nature of, of me <laughs> it doesn't always end up that way in the end and do you find with the social media component of what you do so you've built a really big following that, that that brings pressure with it and in terms of you know positive but also negative pressure potentially too um I think 
my side of social media, I definitely um, get away lightly. So, you know, people don't kind of complain to me or um, kind of get upset by things I post because I don't really talk about many topics other than what I'm eating. But I do definitely kind of feel pressure sometimes if I'm having a really busy week and I'm conscious that I haven't been active on Instagram, I sort of feel bad that, you know, I haven't really been showing people how they can balance work life and, and all that kind of thing. But I suppose sometimes I have to just bring it back to the point of, you know, I'm still eating and cooking healthy. So I'm still kind of, you know, taking those boxes I just don't have time to show people um, but a lot of the time though I try to be as real as possible so if I am just having rice cakes and a slice of chicken you know that's that's so okay to do and I think at the start of lockdown we, we saw a huge explosion of people who were cooking a lot more and but then that began to taper off a little bit as people got tired of COVID and COVID fatigue People kind of revert it back to kind of you know eating snacks and eating on the go and maybe getting takeaways and stuff like that. How have you found the COVID experience in terms of juggling everything? Um, I think it was a little bit different for me because I was finalising the book. So the first couple of weekends, I was flat out doing food photography. Um, and I suppose my main issue was I couldn't get some ingredients. So it was a bit of stress there. Um, but when it comes to kind of the homemade cooking side of things, I definitely was cooking more with my mom. And, you know, it was lovely to have that time. Um, and we perfected the ultimate way to make homemade chips. And I think <laughs> that is like the main success of lockdown in our house and have you always cooked this cooking something that you've always done and always enjoyed or do you find it work in some regards especially when you have a book out and with the blog does it become work or is it still enjoyable um i think it's always still enjoyable but it hasn't always been a major part of my life and um, so when i was about 20 21 my mom and dad were away on holidays and i had to fend for myself um, and i had kind of a couple of nights where i was going out for dinner i was meeting friends and that sort of thing and a typical kind of end of christmas early january time i thought oh you know i'll learn how to cook i'll start making healthy meals and it all sort of came from there but i really started off every time i wanted to make something googling how you did it from you know times to boil an egg all the way up to like slow cooking um pork belly i i googled it all and um, and i think that really kind of allows me to help people who maybe haven't gotten into cooking and they're sort of like it's too late it's never too late to start and you know start with the small things and start cooking things that you already know and like and um, which that's kind of my main advice when people sort of say oh it's too late to start and people always think that you know i was born in the kitchen kind of baking and doing all those kind of things that i really had like little or no interest until a couple of years ago and then you know i got bit hard by the bug and um, but I think as well, like family cooking is pretty big in, in our house. And I always kind of think that over the years, seeing um, my parents cooking in the background, it sort of rubbed off on me. Um, and that's one thing that I always kind of say to people, you know, who are you know, cooking for their kids and stuff like that, to really get them involved from an early stage. Because you can avoid like fussy eating and all that kind of thing by kind of destigmatizing like vegetables and getting them excited and, and seeing the process. Because there's nothing kind of you know, worse than when they sit down and they see something and they're kind of scared of the food and they haven't seen how it's gotten from A to B. Um, so that's definitely one thing I always say to people because um, I know that like it helps with me over the years and it, it's a really, it's a lovely bonding experience as well for families. Yeah, I think that was one of the really refreshing things to see in the book. It's in the first chapter, the first couple of pages in terms of 
it's how do you boil an egg? I was like, oh my God, that's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, do you think that there's a whole segment of society out there who literally haven't got the basic skills like that in terms of how to boil an egg or poach an egg or scramble your eggs or whatever? And they need those really basic steps before they get on the ladder. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, even some of the most accomplished cooks will have trouble kind of poaching or, or even getting the timings right when they're cooking for other people. So, you know, in my house, it, it's runny boiled eggs everywhere. But if someone asked me to boil a hard one, I'd sort of be having a bit of a think about how long you're going to do it for. And I think that's the, the beauty of the book as well, is that you can pick it up at any stage of cooking. And, you know, you might even find that you're an accomplished cook and you find something new in there, like a new technique or um, a new way of doing things and I've also put a glossary at the back because sometimes you know when people say saute or butterfly there's, there's a few words that you know you mightn't have to, to hand in your kind of culinary vocabulary so it's always nice to kind of have it there and but, you know at the end of the day you can always google things but I think it's nice to have a one-stop shop and that's what I was missing when I first got into the kitchen that I needed to Google those things about how long you boil an egg for. I needed to know kind of how you make stock, all the basics. But then equally, I wanted to try out cool things like, you know, homemade chicken katsu and, and those kind of things. And over the course of the last couple of years, what are the most popular recipes that people go to on your website and on your blog? I'm fascinated to see what, what, what people like to cook and, you know, what they're, what they're, they're, they're leaning towards. So there is one absolute standout recipe and I would say not a week goes by that five if not ten people make it and sometimes depending on the time of the year you have peaks of like people making it every night which is amazing but it is a clean bonus bites so it's kind of a healthy play on a popular um, American restaurant that I used to work in in my college days and it's got Frank's hot sauce in it and it's just like it's one of my favorites and it's always one that I make when people come around to the house. And there's only been one occasion where I've had a group of friends over, haven't made it, and it, it was like I told them Christmas was cancelled. <laughs> um, so that's definitely one of the, the main ones. Um, and then the wonky curry um, is another one that people really flock to. It's a really simple chicken curry with a little bit of almond butter in it, which just gives us this really nutty and, and rich um, flavour, which actually all fell out of a kitchen disaster. Um, a friend of mine was making a chicken satay and put the, the dip in the pan with the chicken, but you're supposed to do it afterwards. So it all kind of congealed and came together. And she was cooking for me at the time, which apparently is very stressful, even though, you know, I'm not a master chef judge or anything. Um, but what we did that night was we got a tin of coconut oil and loosened it out and made it into this curry. And that kind of got me thinking. And from there, the, the wonky curry was born. And that's where a lot of the kind of recipes that I like to cook come from, you know, things that I maybe try in the kitchen, things that I eat out, or things that I see um, even in supermarket, you know, like that are, are readily done that I want to give them a go. So health has never been more uh, trendy in some respects, important more so. Obviously, in terms of COVID, people are really being able to look at their health and to look at cooking health here. What are your top tips? This is where I pick your brains for all your knowledge. What are your top tips that we can give to our listeners when they want to become healthier in terms of cooking? What are the kind of five or six things they really need to know about or to use or to be aware of in terms of food and prepping food and making meals? 
I think my first tip for people is to look at what's available in season, like fruit and vegetable wise, and go from there. I find it's a really great place to sort of try new vegetables each month from. Um, so that's kind of my top one. So eating seasonally and eating locally. Um, I'm also a big fan of kind of eliminating as much of the hard work as possible. So I like to call it no prep meal prep. So if you want to go and make a couple of meals for the week and you're really tight on time and you're not mad on the nitty gritty, you know, chopping vegetables and things like that, get things that are pre-prepared. So get chopped onions if that's your thing. Get your carrots chopped. Buy uh, mini fillets instead of chicken breasts so they're already um, kind of sliced. And just do as little as possible without affecting the end result. So, you know, I, um, I even kind of do those elements myself in the background. Um, so if I have a couple of peppers or something, they look like they're a little bit sad and I'm not going to get around to them. I actually chop them and freeze them and then they're ready to go when I'm next cooking again. So you can, you can do it yourself like in the background or you can do it um, by going to the supermarket. But, you know, letting people help you as much as possible is, is definitely one. And I think a little bit of planning goes a long way. So sitting down before you go to the supermarket, make that list and, and decide what you're going to make over the next couple of days. And it could be that you change your mind um, throughout the week and that's totally fine. But like try to kind of plan as best as possible. And then that eliminates, you know, food waste as well. But equally then when you go to make the recipe, you're not missing one or two things that you could have picked up. Okay. And are there any really obvious mistakes that people that you've seen friends make or that you see people make in the kitchen or if you're watching kind of, I don't know, you know, cookery programs or anything like that? Are there any really obvious mistakes that people make in terms of maybe, I don't know, using the wrong oil or too high a heat or, you know, just obvious mistakes that people make? Yeah. Uh, you know, there is really, um, I think one thing that I constantly do um, is, <laughs> it's probably a bit of a weird one, but I always leave the garlic in the garlic crusher and then put it in the dishwasher and it smells, but that's not really a good one. Oh, there's a serious smell of that in the kitchen. I can, I can picture it already. <laughs> yeah. so um, but apart from that, I suppose just like, you know, keep an eye on the timer and, and kind of be aware when you've got things in the oven or things on the pan. And if you are doing a recipe and, you know, the, the timing seems a bit off to you or, or yours looks cooked um, or, or doesn't look cooked enough on the given times, so don't be afraid to kind of use your own instinct. Um, I, I do actually tend to see that a lot with, with things like nut butter where people's machines are different speeds and then equally, you know, slow roast in the oven. Everyone's oven is slightly different and the, the kind of heat, the way it's dispersed is, is different. Um, so always trust your gut instinct and, you know, if you think, 25 minutes is too long for chicken breast on the pan. You're definitely right. Folks, you're listening to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, Association with Lay Healthcare. We're delighted to be joined by Nicola Halloran on today's episode, chatting all things food. I'm getting hungry just chatting to her as we're going along. Let's chat through meals and your, kind of your go-tos and your favourites in terms of breakfast and lunches and snacks and dinners, just to give people a little flavour of the kind of stuff that you cook. So let's go to get breakfast, first of all. Really important meal of the day. Lots of trends going on at the minute. Overnight oats is obviously a big one. Let's chat through your own favourite breakfasts. Um, I think oats are definitely one of my go-tos. I love that you can kind of change up the toppings no matter the day. Um, and one thing that I always do with my oats is put a little square of dark chocolate on top. There's just something about having chocolate in the morning that, you know, really gets you going for the day. Then um, on the weekends, I always like to do like a slow kind of brunch style breakfast on Saturday and on Sunday. 
um, things that I do there is a, a breakfast hash. So I throw like a load of sweet potatoes, some controversial Brussels sprouts. Um, for breakfast? Into, yeah, oh, for breakfast, I love sprouts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like a load of veggies in the pan. Um, and then I love just to have a fried egg over the top of that. Um, so it's just kind of a veg scramble that I do and then um my other kind of top pick is definitely turkey sausages I'm obsessed with them at the moment um, and again load of veggies in there and a nice fried egg you just can't go wrong with the fried egg really but it has to be crispy underneath and then a runny yolk <laughs> <laughs> and let's let's chat snacks then uh what are the go-to's what are your favorites um, anybody who knows me and works with me will know I'm an absolute rice cake fiend. I love them. I'll eat them plain. I'll eat them with almond butter. Um, absolutely anything. I love them. So yeah, they're definitely my go-to. Um, and then outside of that, I, I really, I'm a bit of a boring person. I love like chopped peppers, chopped cucumbers. Um, I, I'll just eat them as they are. Um, and raspberries as well are another one of my, my major go-tos. Okay, and then lunch. Presumably lunch has to be more than a boring old sandwich. It has to be slightly more exciting than that now. Yeah, a little bit. Like, there's no no problem at all with the sandwich when you're grabbing on the go. Um, but my kind of go-to lunch is like cauliflower rice, kind of scrambled up with um, an egg if I haven't had one for breakfast, a little bit of chicken or turkey mince, and um, some herbs and spices. And what I'll do there as well is if I'm at home, which I am like at the moment, I'll always have my cauliflower rice ready to go in the freezer. Um, and I'll have a couple of veggies pre-chopped in the freezer as well. So pop it all into a wok, 10, 15 minutes, absolute maximum, and it's on the table. And one thing that I really kind of think, um, when you're cooking at home, um, and you're you know you're feeling a little maybe bored over your lunches and stuff like that you can change it up so easily by putting it on a really nice plate and a little bit of a garnish so some sesame seeds on top or some spring onion you'd be surprised how much you can change kind of your perspective when you're eating and I always always take some time to sit down set a, a place for myself I'm, I'm like an old granny but you know set your place get a napkin get a knife and fork and take 10 or 15 minutes to yourself while you eat because it's so important to be mindful when you're eating I, I I am guilty of it like more often than not sitting at the computer and like eating away even snacking on those rice cakes you, you don't pay attention to what you're eating and um, it doesn't it doesn't hurt to take 10 minutes away from the day. It's not going to you know ruin your progress and work, and it's really just going to be overall much better for you. Okay, and what about dinners then? What's, first of all, what's your favorite dinner? That's the, that's the first question I have for you. My favorite dinner, um, I absolutely love going out for a good steak and chips. That is just my ultimate uh, thing to do. But obviously not every day of the week. Um, a lot of my dinners, I think people expect me to eat like really exciting food. Like, you know, like spend hours in the kitchen. But it, I kind of rotate between things like um, chili con carne with some cauliflower rice, spaghetti bolognese. Um, I tend to use courgette zoodles with that um, and then other than that a load of veggies baked up and um, with some chicken hot sauce mixed all together and um, hot sauce definitely features on my plate at least once a day 
I was just going to pick up on that. It's the second time you've mentioned it. One in snacks and one in dinner. It's like, okay, that must be. And in all fairness, it is really trendy at the minute. There are kind of sauces and accompaniments generally are trendy, but hot sauce and kind of buffalo, kind of chicken wing sauce, it is, they are very trendy at the moment and very tasty. Exactly. And the beauty about the hot sauce is that the ingredients are just cayenne, pepper, apple cider, vinegar, and water, and I think a little bit of garlic powder. So, you know, there's no kind of crazy preservatives or anything like that, and it gives such a pop of flavor, even if you just give it a little drizzle over, you know, plain vegetables. So it's a really, really good one. Um, and I actually, I make a lot of homemade burgers um, at the moment, so turkey burgers, pork burgers, pretty much anything. Um, and what I find is they're really good to maybe do have them for dinner and then you can kind of reuse for lunch the next day or even breakfast. I'm, I'm a fan of a brunch burger as well. <laughs> and finally, what's your what's your, your, your hangover treat or your, your guilty pleasure in terms of food? Is it a takeaway? Is it a pizza? What is it? Um, it's 100% chicken wings. <laughs> And <laughs> um, the spicier, the better. And you know the way people sort of say, oh, we'll get a basket to share. If you go out with free chicken wings with me, we're not sharing. <laughs> That's a very common guilty pleasure. And a very good one too. Elephant and Castle in Dublin do amazing chicken wings. I've, I've been partial to those myself over the years. Uh, Nicola, if people, want to if people want to follow you, uh, remind us where they can find you. And um, so I am predominantly on Instagram and um, at the wonky spatula. You can check me out on Facebook as well and Twitter. And then my website is thewonkyspatula.com. Cool. And the book is available uh, in all good bookstores from now. Yeah, exactly. And um, some of them will be signed as well. So watch out for the sticker. Fantastic. Nicola Halloran, thank you so much for joining us on Real Health today. Much appreciated and the very best of luck with the book as well. Folks, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode of Real Health. Like me, you're going to be starving after listening to a food episode. We always are when we interview people who make food. They make you really hungry over the course of the show. So go make some healthy dinners, try some of that lovely hot sauce and maybe even a bowl of chicken wings here and there won't do any harm whatsoever. Have a fantastic week. Apply some of the tips that we gave you today. As ever, you know where we are, Real Health at independent.ie at Carl Henry PT on Twitter and on Instagram. Have a healthy week and we'll see you next week for more Real Health. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.